I'm, I forgot the podcast existed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, what what are we even doing right now? <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, what, the 17th of January? Yeah, we welcome didn't back. Two weeks before. <laughs> How was your break? Oh, I mean, it's like any small business owner's break. Like, not really a break. But it was good, you know. Did a bunch of family stuff and whatever and now it feels like uh getting back in the swing of things and just have more time to focus on a bunch of stuff that i've been you know it's been a good beginning of the year i guess because i've like many people they're like oh it's a good time to like reevaluate and do some things you've intended to do um Mm -hmm. just clean up habits and whatever so i've been spending the past actually it's before that but like past two months probably um just cleaning up odds and ends on hatchbox and stuff that have been like uh, i can deal with them as support tickets for a while and then just fix the code later because a ticket only takes a few minutes to to answer to um but actually fixing those and like just not having to read those emails um from you know whatever bug that stuff has been real, real nice. Like it's cut down my support for things quite a bit. So feels good to like start the new year off and clean up some technical debt kind of things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been good. How about you guys? Uh, <clears throat> break was pretty. Break was good. I I had a really like uh, bad last couple of weeks with like panic so like yeah it's been fun uh swapping like meds around and yeah i don't know it's been less than stellar personal life but work's been good (laughs) stuff there see failures throw you into panic (laughs) (laughs) no no it's it's ocd and it's bad man it's like i haven't had this bad of like a that's what I'm looking for. Like this bad of a season, I guess, since like 2011. So it's been a long time since I've. Oh been wow! Yeah. Mode. So I'm like, what do I do? But anyway, uh, that's been all right. But yeah, I've been doing a lot of. We started a new project at work, and I've been working on some older stuff at work before we start the new project because uh, they tie together and I've written more sequel in the last two weeks than I've written in my entire career combined. <laughs> That's funny. So are you dropping into writing sequel snippets and stuff for like full queries? Yeah, I've written uh, common table expressions, partitioning. What else have I done? All kinds of stuff like, that I don't do on like a regular basis. I've done, but I haven't done partitioning before, but I've done a lot of like CTEs, but it's always, I don't know. It always requires a level of focus and like a mode to get into, to think like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. I feel like I'm really smart, even though I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I, man, it's funny to think about how, Kind of rarely you actually have to think in SQL in Rails for the basic stuff. Like, you know, you can even join through three or four tables and 
and takes care of all that for you. And you don't even have to know what you have to do for that, which is awesome. But yeah, (laughs) I'm probably pretty rusty if you were to ask me to go do that stuff because I haven't really had to write pure SQL for quite some time like that. How about you, Andrew? What's going on? uh, I would just like to say I cannot write pure SQL. I've never had to write pure SQL. And if you told me to write pure SQL, I could. It would just take a lot of time with the docs. (laughs) Have you like spent time just writing any SQL before, like just to learn it? No. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of how I learned. Like I started with Django and then Rails and both of those, you know, have ORMs and like a high level, you understand the concepts of the database, but it's like they write your queries, they run your migrations, like they do all of the work for you. So you don't actually have to learn it other than just here's how you associate records together and that's about all you really need to know for most things so yeah i i think i fiddled with you know i'll I'll watch one great way to do it is like read the rails logs and see what queries it's running you know and then you can go and uh, replicate that and stuff and try and create a database yourself but yeah it's kind of interesting um because you don't even have to learn it at all if you don't want to yeah i that, I mean, that's basically how I passed my database course. I literally just pasted the Rails logs. But to answer your question, uh, break was good. Kind of like Jason, uh, personal life, mental health has not been as optimal as I would love it to be. But, you know, it's winter. So, been lots of rainy, dark days. But uh, in terms of work and side project th- and things, uh, that's going pretty good. No complaints there. What yeah, kind of that. side projects you got going on? Uh, I started learning TypeScript <laughs> among my other various side projects, like the actions and stuff. Oh, that's fun. So what are you, how are you learning TypeScript? How are you starting? Uh, reading other people's code, <laughs> basically. Uh, I found... And I, it didn't really occur to me that's how I like learned the best until I started noticing it when I was learning TypeScript. But I basically learned TypeScript, and I've written now two libraries, and I need to like actually like they're shipped, quote unquote. But I need to like kind of wrap them up a little bit. Uh, both of them are for CodeFun, and they're basically little plugin library package thingies, whatever they call them over there in react land where one of them is a, a package you can add to your react app that will let you render code fun ads super easily. And the other is a Gatsby plugin for rendering code fun ads on your site super easily. And then I started converting cable ready, uh, which is one of the underlying libraries that powers stimulus reflex to cable, uh, to, to TypeScript, uh, because Nate was kind of interested and I was, I was enthralled with it at the time. And interestingly enough, like I have never liked writing JavaScript. I still don't. Uh, But I actually don't mind writing TypeScript. I think it's, it definitely has helped me catch a lot of bugs that I wouldn't have caught because I'm just not that great at writing JavaScript to begin with. 
but the one complaint is like setting it all up from scratch is just a pain in the ass. <laughs> it takes so long. But uh, if you get like a like a library generator or basically just copy someone else's like way of doing it, it it's really I've really enjoyed it actually. What makes setting it up so difficult? Like, what kind of environment are you in? Just like a pure JavaScript environment, or are you using like Webpacker? Uh, so, I'll give you an example with Cable Ready because I that was the only one I set up purely from scratch. So, interestingly enough, uh, if you look at Active Storage, the gem, they use Rollup, not Webpack to basically roll up all the JavaScript assets for the gem. And that seems to be what most people in the TypeScript world are using is a uh, roll up, not Webpack. So I had to learn how to use that, but you have to set up all this linting. Well, I guess you don't have to set up linting, but because I had no idea what I'm doing, I'm going to set up linting. Uh, you have to set up a TypeScript config file, which is really confusing. Uh, you have to set up roll up. And then I, of course, had to go learn what rollup is, uh, learning kind of how to work with it, configuring your environment to like optimally use it. And I'll just say VS code is phenomenal for TypeScript. It is like out of this world. Nice. And I like, once you get everything kind of set up, it's so, I was moving so much faster in TypeScript than I ever would have in JavaScript. Do you think that has to do with the company that sponsors VS Code and the company that sponsors TypeScript? Uh, I think that might have a large thing to do with it. Also, the fact that VS Code is written in TypeScript, mm-hmm. I think, has something to do with it. VS Code is just great for JavaScript, period. And I know you started by saying that in the past you haven't liked writing JavaScript. That all changed for me with ES6. Like, I really just love writing JavaScript now. But I also like a lot of the tooling in the JavaScript world, like linters and formatters. I haven't worked with TypeScript since Ionic, so I'm not really good to speak on that one. But anyway, so Rollup. Yeah, Rollup is interesting. Um, For Cable Ready, I basically was copying the way that uh, stimulus because stimulus is written in TypeScript, uh, and so is TurboLinks. So basically, kind of copying the way they were doing it, and also kind of copying the way Active uh, Active Storage uses the Rollup plugin, and kind of just trying to emulate some of those patterns. But my problem is is that I learn really well from reading other people's code, but the problem then becomes I start pulling different things from different libraries. So instead of just literally copying the way uh, Stimulus is using TypeScript and the way they've set it up and et cetera, et cetera, I tend to pull things from a lot of areas. But I will give a plug real quick. Uh, Oh, no, I forgot his name. Hold on. Palmer. I know his last name is Palmer. Uh, Arnold Palmer. <laughs> well, those are good. Jared Palmer. Jared Palmer um, has a lot of awesome TypeScript resources, and he has an awesome little TypeScript starter called TSDX, which I 
it was really helpful to me. So shout out Jared Palmer. He's putting out some great content and great stuff in TypeScript. Hmm. Um, do you think it's something people should like, you know, I've got a bunch of JavaScript for random things. Like, is it worth converting over to TypeScript or is that something you would start with? Like, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me is uh, if you were building a JavaScript library that other people use, then you can kind of define the types so that they know that, oh, you gave us a string instead of a integer or whatever when you called this method. That stuff is probably super helpful for, uh, you know, libraries. But is that something that you would convert your own JavaScript in your your app to TypeScript or not? Uh, no, I would not. I would not convert a like Rails app to using TypeScript, and that's kind of what uh, the Basecamp team has kind of said that they think TypeScript is really good for you know, writing libraries essentially, but that they're not going to be writing Basecamp with TypeScript. Yeah. Um, man, this is goes back a while, but I was talking to one of my friends uh, one night a long time ago and, and we were talking about kind of the same thing, like the dream of like types in Ruby and stuff would be like, you know, you could build Rails, the framework, and then you could say, okay, this method requires you to pass in an active record, you know, object, and vice versa for other things like helpers. Like those have to have, your time helper has to have a time given or something. And how nice that would be to solve a lot of problems for people. Um, just being able to have your framework be like, yeah, you didn't give us the right type of object. So, you know, check your code and make sure um, that stuff I think is like really valuable. And then we were talking about like, imagine a world where like Ruby and crystal merge so that you could write your code as flexible and uh, whatever is possible, like Ruby style at the beginning while you're figuring things out. But as things get more and more stable and you know how it should work for the next, you know, five years, and you're more certain on how you want it to work, then you could start having types and enforcing types and then eventually type all of your code and then have it compiled so it could run really fast. But then it would be really cool to be able to like, you know, balance that with uh, something flexible without types at the beginning. So we were like, man, that would be a fascinating thing to do. And I don't know, uh, that seems probably extremely hard to go build something like that, but it would be cool. Well, I will say this. If you haven't seen the talk yet, uh, there were two talks at, well, I mean, there may have been more than two, but there were two that I went to at RubyConf about Sorbet. Uh, the first one was the actual Sorbet team kind of talking about it. And the second one was someone from Shopify who, because Shopify is converting their code base uh, to with Sorbet to typed Ruby basically. And they were kind of talking about that process. I was hoping they were going to talk about the actual implementation, but it seemed to be more of a, it was definitely more of a talk about these are kind of the philosophies we're taking and this is the approach we're taking. Um, and they basically said that they have started typing uh, kind of the critical parts of their app and kind of working their way out from that with Sorbet. That's cool. 
Um, is Sorbet still like private beta or closed source right now? Because I remember they announced it at Stripe or whatever, and then there's sorbet.run is the site or something, but you know, no way to use it yourself. I can't I'm remember. pretty sure it's out in the open now. Is it now? Yeah, oh, it yeah. Is. I'm, I'm actually on their website. It's like, here's how to install it. Verify nice. it installed. Yeah. So. I need well, to try that out sometime. Sounds the one fun. problem with it that I have is that when I was on uh, Ruby Rogues, we talked to someone on the Sorbet team, and they they brought this up at the at RubyConf, but they have some VS Code extension that they're using internally to help with like typing your code, but they haven't released it yet. And so the tooling for Sorbet is like pretty poor at this point, especially in terms of editor integration. So I think once that they release whatever VS code extension that they keep like talking about, but never actually showing anyone, I think that's when it's going to kind of go to the next level. That'll be really exciting. I guess a lot of this stuff too is like, pending a lot of the Ruby three tooling around types and whatever. So we'll probably see a lot more in the next year. That's what you were just talking about with the tooling is exactly the only reason I want like a types language. I not, I don't necessarily like want to weigh in on the argument of types versus not types, but I do like, the tooling you get in your editor when you have types and like, that's why TypeScript and JavaScript tooling is actually really good in VS code, even though like JavaScript don't have types. I don't, I don't understand why it's so good, but yeah, I just, I want things that make my life easier when I program and like Ruby by itself does that. But what if I could take it further? Yeah. It's like because of Ruby's flexibility, you lose a lot of the tooling because like your editor doesn't know what type it is. So it can't suggest the methods um, that are specific to whatever type it should be. So when that gets added, then you're kind of in the best of both worlds. Like it's extremely flexible and you can have all that hinting and everything for, you know, these methods are available on user. There you go. You can, now you can hit tab and, start auto-completing your entire application. Just keep hitting tab. Yeah. I I take a weird stance on this because I have become enamored with TypeScript, but I'm really not into typed Ruby. Like, I've tried Sorbet a little bit. I, like, jokingly created a PR to type the CodeFun codebase at RubyConf. But I don't know. I, it's just not... I like the fact that Ruby is so dynamic and I don't really like, I want the ability to shoot myself in the foot if I want to, you know, like I think that's like one of the best parts about Ruby. Uh, And Nate has a really good, or he had a really good spiel about this, um, which I thought was interesting because the guy who wrote, or basically was the architect of TypeScript is the same one who architected C sharp and Nate, wrote C sharp for a period of time and his stance on it was, you know, I don't want types. He's like, because I've already been in that world and it's not as green and grassy as everyone thinks. And his point, which I thought was pretty interesting is that 
you know, all these developers who are coming in and they're discovering TypeScript, they think it's awesome because they have not ever had to basically work in that world. Like they weren't writing Java and they weren't writing C Sharp and they weren't working with type languages in the past. And so now they are coming in and they're seeing TypeScript and they're like, oh, this can help me solve all these bugs. But they don't have really context of like, okay, yeah, that's great. There's great tooling for it. But there's a lot, there's trade-offs that like you may not be aware of and it can definitely limit you in some ways. So we'll have to get him to come on at some point and explain that because I thought it was really interesting. He's just, he's super heads down right now on something at CodeFund. Yeah. um, So I've been cheating on Ruby a little bit lately on the side and fiddling with uh, Crystal and Oh my gosh, the frustrations of like being able to do something really fast in Ruby, but then to try and accomplish the same thing with macros and stuff in Crystal just really sucks you out of the like speed of which you're able to build stuff. It's pretty interesting. Like you have to now have all this extra syntax wherein like your in the middle of your class, if you write a macro, then you end up with kind of like these liquid tags or like ERB kind of things because your macro is defining methods. But then, you know, this stuff you can't call at any time. It's got to generate it at compile time. So this code is kind of strange. And then it's the promise of um, Crystal being able to figure out the types automatically is like, you know, it can do some, but things get real complicated real fast, especially if you're, you know, trying to build like a Rails-like framework or something. There's a lot of, you're required to define types in a lot of cases. And then, yeah, it just ends up kind of adding a lot of complexity, even with something like Crystal that's trying to make it uh, as simple as possible where you don't have to define types most of the time for simple things. You know, if if you want to define, for example, an empty hash, you have to say it's curly brace, open curly brace, close curly brace of type arrow other type. So you have to define the types of the keys and the values ahead of time so that when you actually populate the hash with content or data, you know, it needs to know those types. So it's kind of been strange to fiddle with because it looks so close to Ruby, but it's also so far from Ruby and you just don't have the same flexibility. Have you done anything uh, like any apps in crystal? Uh, not yet. Um, I was actually fiddling with like a router CR, which is um, a, routing thing so what one of the really cool things about crystal though is like imagine that ruby decided to build rack into the language itself and it was officially maintained like the cool part about crystal is you have an http server and you can chain your middlewares all together built into the language so to add and create your own web server like you don't have to do anything you just say hey we'll append this new thing they already have static file serving and all that in it so you can build your own sinatra in like 
I don't know, a hundred lines of code or something. And well, it basically leverage the crystal HTTP server library for most of it. So that's been pretty awesome. So I was going to use that for a, a little proxy thing that I can talk about later, but I ended up building that actually in Sinatra after fiddling with this. Cause I was like, man, I know all the Sinatra stuff a whole lot better and I'd rather maintain this for a production thing than my own little crystal app. Yeah. The only thing I've done in crystal, I've never done any web stuff. I like Kamal. I think so. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's like the Sinatra, you know, of crystal. Uh, a couple of years ago, I like ran the benchmarks manually cause it's really cool. It like compares itself to Sinatra and it's like, absurdly faster but the only time i've actually really built something was i gave a talk about crystal uh, a few years ago and i just built a script and like just writing the script was fun because it was basically ruby code but yeah oh man this brings up the biggest frustration i have is there's no you know interactive console because it's a compiled app so you can cheat and build your own irb kind of thing but effectively that, what that does is it takes all your history and dumps it to a file and then compiles that file and you know effectively that works but like the more and more code you have in there the longer it will take to compile that and it you know it does work but you can't drop in a buy bug or a pry anywhere that you want and building things like you know a script is a little bit different you know you can't really you have to build things into one executable that you run so it's not like you can just say hey um let's write the script we'll require this file and you know now we have rails loaded and voila we'll run the script and do other things like that would be a separate executable that you would have to build so that you could run that um so it's you know it's kind of interesting like for the performance side of things. And then the language itself is really as close to Ruby as you probably can get with a compiled language. It's just a, it's a different beast and you have to think very differently than you do in Ruby, I think. Um, But man, if you do need the speed, it is the way to go. It is so fast. Yeah. For me, it goes back to like, and we talked about this with like a, with Elixir. It's not that I necessarily need the speed. I just need the different thought process. That's what I need mm-hmm. in my life right now. Yeah, there's there's like, you know, all these different ideas out there from languages and frameworks and libraries and all that. Like, those are all really interesting things to learn how, you know, every other framework uh, designs their, like, application code. You know, they don't have to group it into app and model views and controllers they could put it in other folders you know and you can be in a different mindset so it's good to like see all those and experiment with them and see how you might bring some of that stuff back to the way you code you know in whatever language you use every day you got anything else cool going on um well, that little, so that thing I mentioned a minute ago, um, this little app for Hatchbox. Um, so every, so if you deploy two apps to the same server um, and you don't have any DNS records that point to it, Nginx is going to serve up one of the two apps 
and you don't really know which one unless you set one as the default server, then that gives you basically no way to access your second app because uh, it, it doesn't know. So for Hatchbox, we have like a um, domain that will generate a random subdomain for each app so you can access those. But the servers are your own. And so I can't really easily install my Let's Encrypt certificate on everyone's server. And that wouldn't be great anyways. So this has just not had SSL support for quite a while. And, you know, for the most part, it's just customers are going to add their own domain eventually and turn on SSL. Um, So I've just told them, you know, go set that up. But I built a little site and I think you guys have a similar thing for custom domains at Podia, but basically a little server that will go and have one wildcard SSL certificate and then proxy requests from the subdomain through that server, strip the SSL, forward it to the customer um, server, and then you know send the response back. So it's a nice way to give people a you know SSL option for their their apps because a lot of people will have forced SSL on, and then the browser's like, yeah, it, nothing's here. We don't see anything. And it's a little confusing to them because, you know, your browser is like getting more and more eager to hide things like HTTPS at the beginning of your domains and URLs. So it's like been a point of confusion, but it was a really fun app to build that, you know, you build a little API to go write those uh, Nginx configs and reload that. And I really wanted to use Caddy because Caddy is kind of like Nginx, but has a built-in API, but their version two, which is perfect for what I need, doesn't seem like it has wildcard support yet because it's still in beta. So I'll probably switch to that eventually, but the combination of a little tiny Sinatra app and Nginx worked just fine. I think you guys had pretty much the same thing, right? Uh, Andrew did a lot of work on it. Uh, Andrew Famera get, get well soon, Andrew. Um, but I don't, it used to be a lot of what you described, but it changed recently to like all kinds of words and technologies. I don't understand like terraform. What what does that even mean? (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what, Yeah. Because the, the other little thing was like, mine's simple because I have one SSL cert that I need to um, use. But if you're doing actual custom domains, then you have to have uh, the custom Let's Encrypt you know, authentication before it can generate the certificate and all that. So, yeah. I'm a little sad you couldn't do it in Crystal. I would have loved to hear about that because that was before Andrew did his implementation of it. Uh, Jamie had talked about trying to do it in Crystal. So, yeah. For Crystal, it always gets talked about. <laughs> nobody's using it. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have worked for what I was doing. It was just like, you know, all the rest of my code is in Ruby. So I'd rather have that also in Ruby. So I don't have to context switch once a blue moon, whenever something needs to be changed on it. I would rather have the same kind of language there. Uh, since we brought him up real quick, just shout out. Andrew uh, created a course called learn rails by building Instagram, which I bought and 
completed almost all of it. <laughs> I got a little sidetracked towards the end because I decided I wanted to reskin the whole thing in Tailwind. And as you both, I'm sure, are very aware, that's not it's super easy, right? <laughs> it's the it's like sounds so easy and it's gonna look so great, and then you start doing it and you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have done this. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I know that well. It was a uh, it was really fun. I'm definitely gonna finish it. I bought it for two juniors um, as well, but yeah, shout out if you're looking for a fun course intro to Rails, uh, learn Rails by building Instagram. The drop a link in the show notes. Yeah, that's a it's a good one. I uh, walked through that course while he was working on it, and it looks like a good one. So I definitely would recommend that. What else have you guys been working on recently? I haven't really worked on much. Uh, main, partly because I have nothing like I'm out of ideas uh, and I'm tired of working on stuff that doesn't do anything. And the other part is just my mental health. So I've been, I started playing video games. I haven't done I, that in four years. I, I did too. I started, I picked up uh, Borderlands. Uh, recently so it's been fun what are you playing nba 2k 20 nice 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 i'm actually i get uh motion sickness from first party or first person first party first person games uh and so basketball is like one of the few games i could play and i just happen to really love basketball so dude i could probably kick your butt in some nba jam (laughs) okay i was like wait a second but yeah you probably could (laughs) <laughs> Do you ever play that? Gosh. Like Super Nintendo game? Yeah, I'm like... And you can... I forget what the... Um, so when you put in your initials for your character, you, there's one you can uh, put in and you'll play as like Bill Clinton. I miss, I miss cheat codes so much. I know. Yeah, there was so much like... There's a lot of time spent building Easter eggs and stuff and they're just not as prevalent or whatever as they used to be. Like I, was, I was a big baseball fan as a kid, and so I had uh, Triple Play 2000 on PlayStation 1, and there was like this, it was probably like 12 to 15 like pattern thing you could do, but you would hit a home run every time. And I would always use it on my friends, and they'd get so pissed. It was so much fun. <laughs> it's like the, I remember that, um, Oh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater had a cheat code that like you could just grind infinitely and you were always perfectly <laughs> balanced. And then there was one of those like it was a strange piece of the map, but it was like a little planter, but it was very small. So you just like go infinitely grind around this like two foot wide circle. <laughs> it was hilarious to watch. But I think we were trying to get some high score. So we started it. And then just walked away for like four hours and came back. And it was like some insane high score. It was funny. I have to do this to you guys. I'm sorry. But when the PlayStation 1 was first released, I was not alive yet. Oh, man. How old are you? I am 23. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. It's become a thing. I have to do it. To, I do it to Nate all the time because I'm pretty sure I'm like, like a two years older than his oldest kid. 
<laughs> I, I still, I guess I just have no concept of time because in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, that would make sense. But yeah, I would have been, well, Chris and I would have been eight because our birthdays are like yeah. two days apart. So yeah. Yeah. It's what funny. You- I think your beard always makes you feel like, I always feel like you're older than me, Jason, but it's all the beard. It's the beard and the belly. <laughs> What are what what are you guys playing on now? Are you playing on console or PC? Uh, PS4. No. Oh, man. I have a PS4 too, Jason. I got yeah, I got Borderlands on PS4. Well, look at us. I also play my Switch only for Mario Tennis and Mario Kart. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. I tried 2K on it and it was trash. Huh? Is it just like a bad port of the game? Yeah, the I mean the graphics of the Switch just can't handle yeah. like it can on like a PS4. Yeah, I bought a Switch and then I didn't hardly ever use it. And I could probably say the same thing about my PS4 too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I, I don't know, like I would probably prefer to play on the computer, but because I spend all my day on the computer, it's nice to actually get away from it to play games on the console. So end up, you know, buying games for that instead but my steam library is full of games that I've bought and never played. (laughs) I was, I was playing a lot of battlefield because I used to play a lot of, well, first I started, I had a, Wii. I only had Nintendo um, games when I was younger because my parents were very anti video game, but I have played and conquered every Mario Kart, but I got a PlayStation three or yeah i guess three when i was like a senior in high school and then a four when i was in college and i was big into call of duty but then i got really big into battlefield and Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna have to like pour one out real quick for battlefield five because it was an amazing game and i am not gonna lie i was amazing at it and then they totally screwed it up and they mess with like the TKK and everything. And now it's just literally not fun to play, but I've been playing a lot of red dead redemption two recently. Oh yeah. That's a good game. The hunting simulator. I used to play a heck of a lot of battlefield 1942, but that might be past your time. <laughs> yes, that was, that was, that was a really good one, but yeah, mm-hmm. we played battlefield two quite a bit, I think. And, uh, um man we played the original modern warfare so much in college like i like we played probably eight hours a day um it was like my parents were always like so like have you had time for classes and stuff i was like yeah i guess but you're you know when you like teach yourself to code and then you have like intro to programming class it's like we're gonna open a file and write hello into it like okay, I did this years ago. Like, are we going to learn something good? No, not in that class. This is the perfect opportunity to ask this question because one of you may know. Last night I was playing Red Dead with some friends online and I had this epiphany that probably would not have been brought on if I had not been, you know, having fun, (laughs) let's say. And I was buying like a ton of stuff and then all of a sudden, like, I basically was spamming, like, the buy button. And then it started slowing down and, like, to the point it was taking, like, 
a few seconds to buy like one thing instead of like before I was just like buying multiple things per second uh, when I was I was getting ammo and then I was like wait is like these games are backed by like a database right like when I play online and I buy things in Red Dead online like ammo for instance is that hitting a database uh it's a good uh, online probably yeah I would guess and that might just be they have like a rate limit because I mean a lot of those games get get hacked because someone's just like running their PS4 through their computer and capturing all the packets and seeing whatever request it's making. So yeah, very likely that might just be that you know it made a ton of API requests and then started to rate limit you over time or something. That's yeah, possible. that's exactly like the first thing that came to my mind when it happened and the very next thought was like, what did they write this game in? And then after that, I was like, I have to find a rockstar mm-hmm. developer. I have questions. So if you're a rockstar developer and you're listening to this, or if you know a rockstar developer and you're listening to this, let me know because I have questions. Yeah. Those, those online games have to be really complex because for some of it, like, Yeah, you can probably cache things locally, but if that's ever information that the other players needs to know, like what outfit you're wearing, that's stuff that's got to be saved remotely and whatever. And it's also probably too like, okay, you sign into your account on someone else's PlayStation. uh, It's probably going to download your outfit and all that stuff to that PS4 so it can cache it. So it probably has to be stored online is my guess. So yeah, that, that stuff has to be pretty fascinating how it all works. I mean, just the engine itself and how those games are built is just, you know, we build web apps and we just edit strings and create strings all day. And those guys are like making 3d stuff and they put us, put us to shame. Well, speaking of shame, I have to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I feel bad for leaving early, but I must I... prepare for a Memphis Grizzlies basketball game tonight. Oh, nice. Are That'll you, be fun. Are you a starter? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I was going to say, I don't mean like on PS4. I mean, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to go to the game. Yeah. Yeah. You got to put your, you got to change clothes and get in the uniform and put your shoes on. And <laughs> what if I bought uh, a full Grizzlies uniform with like, uh, basketball shoes, like just to sit on my couch and play. <laughs> I would respect that. I would respect the hell out of that. <laughs> that may be my yeah. new. My and new if thing. you do that, you got to wear it to RailsConf as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, are RailsConf tickets on sale yet? I'm not uh, sure. The CFP opened. Yeah, I saw that. I have officially sponsored the video recordings of the talks. Oh, good. Oh, nice. Funny, which is exciting. Which, which company is sponsoring it? Um, I think it'll be a hatchbox. That is the logo and everything you see on there. So that's pretty exciting. That's super exciting. So what that means is I'll be walking around RailsConf, pointing at hatchbox logos, yelling, I know that guy. Yeah, well, I don't know if there will be logos or anything on the programs and stuff. There might be, but oh, for the most logos. part, it's going to be their their YouTube um, uploads. So, because some of those, like you know, getting a booth is like ten grand and stuff, and I was like, eh, <laughs> nah, not yet. Maybe next year. 
Do you get a ticket to the conference for sponsoring? No. no. I think you do if you get a booth. You get like a ticket or two or something. So that's the way we do it at the old the old Southeast Ruby. So. Yeah, you gotta you gotta start getting that fifty thousand dollar Southeast Ruby sponsorship. <laughs> I should I should do that. Um, I'm thinking about submitting to the CFP. I haven't done that in a couple of years. I yeah, I saw well. that. I was going to ask if you were, so. I went through and I went through the different tracks and came up with like eight or nine different draft topics, but. Nice. I don't know. If I, get my, if I get in my head, which is a highly likely scenario, I won't. But if I can get past that, I probably will submit. So, Do you know what you're submitting, Andrew, if you're going to do one? I I don't know. I'm going to submit because don't you get like a discount if you submit? You get a free ticket and you get a five hundred dollar honorarium. Right. That's if you like get selected, which is very uh, low right. probability for me. You don't you don't get uh they just reserve you a ticket in case you're not uh, Well, I'm not sure yet. I wasn't really I don't know. The tracks this year weren't as great as I was hoping because some of the ideas for talks I had prior to seeing the tracks aren't really going to fit into any of them. Well, they yeah, kind of saw that too. You I can submit outside the track. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I submitted 2017 at rails comp. I gave a talk on views and it was like outside of any of the tracks. It was just like a rando talk that got inserted into the program. Oh, cool. So, hmm. Well, maybe one of us will be given a talk then. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe all three of us. Well, yeah, if I you should. guys need someone to look it over or help you get out of your head, let me know. I'm happy to do it. Happy to do it for yeah. anyone, really, even though I am not promising anything other than like, <laughs> I have really good grammar when I want to. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well... Y'all have a good week and we'll talk next week. All right. Have fun at the game. Yeah, have fun.